Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. When Paul McGrath left Manchester United in 1989, it seemed like persistent knee injuries were about to curtail his career. Instead, it lasted another eight years, his legend in Ireland grew even further, and he became a hero to many in Birmingham and beyond. The boys in Claren Blue, Paul, your your reach goes far and wide. <laughs> <laughs> that's brilliant. It's extraordinary. The the villa thing, Paul. Uh, that's just an example of it. Just a sample of, uh, you know, they do call you God over there. Some of them do, and um, you know, for a modest person, that must be pretty strange. It's 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 a bit of a love story, isn't it? Uh, what what happened there? Yeah, I think um, I think it is because I think they thought I was going there for. Um, you know, the last, I think I was, was I 30 or something, mm. 31 maybe. And I think they just thought I was just wanting another payday and going and taking as much off the club as I could and and then just... Right uh, off into the sunset. Yeah, right off into the sunset. But I, I love the club. Villa's a place that a lot of players love playing at um, simply because they, they have a lot of the... Um, semi-finals there and, and all that sort of stuff. So loads of footballers, if you ask them, you know, they, they love to actually play at Villa Park. But the, for me, then to suddenly say that I was going to be playing there week in, week out, so I, I just went with Villa because... And uh, Graham Taylor was so good to me. Mm. He was so, so good to me. He just said, well, we'll... Uh, we'll it was actually Doug Ellis as well, believe Deadly it or not. Deadly Doug. Deadly Doug, believe it or not. And they said, right, well, we'll, uh, we'll double your wages, whatever your wages were at Manchester United, we'll double them and we'll, we'll, get, we'll give you more. And I went, you'll double me wages and you'll give me, you'll talk about giving me more. And so I just went, I, I was going, oh my Lord, this is brilliant. So, so and I realised they wanted me to play for the club so, so much that they were willing to do these things for me. So mm. I thought... I'm going to give this my best shot for the next, however, I think it was only, uh, I think they wanted to do it for two years first and then see would my knees hold out and all this sort of stuff. And then I, I, I played uh, seven seasons. Seven seasons, yeah. You mentioned Graham Taylor there. He comes across as a very <coughs> special person because when you went there, I think you were struggling with leaving United, the change that that involved. <coughs> Excuse you me. know injuries and, and and obviously you would you had your own personal demons where were becoming an issue at that time yeah 
What did Graham Taylor do for you to help you? Um, well, I, I um, yeah, I was, I was, I was struggling with the fact that I was at, in, at a new club, and they were all expecting me to to do things their way and, and go out on the football pitch and do certain things. That's when the physio Jim um, Jim Walker, mm. K, K, I, I went to him and I said, Jim. I don't usually train the same way as the other players train. I, I, I love going into the gym and keeping myself fit, going on the bike, you know, because my knees are now a little bit shot to pieces and stuff like that. And Jim said, right, well, I'll, I'll talk to the people that need to be talked to and we'll, we'll cut down your, your um, training sessions and stuff like that and we'll make sure that you're fit going out on the pitch every Saturday and all that sort of stuff. And... Um, I think it was Rita. Rita is uh, um, Graham Taylor's wife. Uh, Graham came to me and he said, "Look, I've had a word with Rita, and we're willing to have you in our house if you want, Paul." Because I'd, I'd had a, I'd had a, a quite quite serious uh, um, thing happen to me while I was while I was, you know, I, while I was uh, on a downer, basically. Mm. So and and Graham had come come to me and just said Paul look if you want to come and stay with myself and Rita you're welcome to do that and we'll 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 get you right and we'll 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 uh we'll, we'll get you well again and I just thought Jesus this man's a saint wanting the likes of me down at his house so yeah. but I didn't go I didn't go I, I I uh but I but I did start I did start repaying him in the performances that I was started giving after that um, I hope I hope he feels the same way because um, yeah he got the he, he got I think he got the England manager at the end of that season. Yeah, so. you, you had a great season then with him. And but you mentioned Jim Walker, who's more than just a physio. Look, he he's another incredible person, not just for for your body. Yeah, the guy who says we got to look after this guy's knees and we'll get the result. But he was he helped you, protected you over those yeah. years as well, didn't he? Yeah. Jim Walker, and it was Jim and um, uh, Mick Byrne. I think they both had a joint uh, venture together and said, look, what are we going to do? You're, even to get me home to play for Ireland, they had to make arrangements then when the, who's going to drop me to which plane. Jim was going to come on the plane with me, it was eventually. Mm. So it was a great trip for Jim. Jim was <laughs> delighted with himself. It was all brilliantly laid out. And then I could concentrate and just... You know, walking onto the football pitch and doing the best I could for for all the people who were who were doing the best they could for me, and that mm. and honestly, it was that simple. Big Ron comes back then, um, as you say. Graham Taylor moves on, and, and Joseph Vengelos is there for a year, and that's not maybe on, on the same page. <laughs> but Big Ron comes back, who you'd worked with before, and you. This is the first season of the Premier League then, and Villa are flying, and you in particular. Is this the best football of your career? Yeah, I think yeah. so. Yeah, because we 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 got Dean Saunders then, and we had uh, Daly and Atkinson was 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 had come over to us, and and there was so many players that mm. wanted to play for Aston Villa now, and uh, you had Tony Daly, who was another one, Dwight York. We had these lads; they were always going to score goals. It was just about how many, and sometimes they would just rip people apart. And it was like five goals here, six goals there, mm. and and we, if we let in one, you, were, the other team did well. 
to be honest. And that's we concentrate we concentrate on just defending, not letting goals in, and suddenly we're flying up up the up the leagues, you know. You win the the Player of the Year award, the PFA Player of the Year award. It's a hugely prestigious honour. I think only six defenders in the forty odd years have ever won it. I mean, Virgil van Dijk, you know, for for example, in recent years, yeah. John Terry. Um, it, it must be an inc incredible night to go down there and, and pick up pick up oh, that award from. Is it Bobby Charlton who presented it? Bobby Charlton presented it to me as well. What yeah. are your memories of that? Um, Bobby used to stop me every so often, even when I was walking around Old Trafford, and say, "Look, just try and get your act together, Paul, because you, you know you're, you're a good player, but try and get your act together." Like, and he'd give me actually good advice, you know. And and same with Sir Sir Matt. Mm. Forget what they said talking about you off the pitch. Just do what you do on the pitch and keep doing it. And and it was lovely to hear from names like that, you know, to to actually hear those people saying. Look, son, you just keep doing what you're doing on the football pitch. And I used to love those two people for just saying that those little words to me. But um yeah, it was it was that was one of the most incredible evenings I've I've ever had because Bobby Charlton, it's 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 a World Cup winner. It's and then to win this thing is just it's mind boggling, like because it, it usually goes to a forward anyway. So yeah. It is incredible, four years after you possibly had written off. Written off. Written. Um, you know, you, you touched on it there. You are producing your best football on the field, but off the field, and you, you've written about this in your book and talked about it really honestly, you're, you know, life is in, is in bad shape. I think your marriage was, was, was um, going off the rails. The drinking is, is, is an issue. Was football an escape for you at that time, or was your, were your struggles off the field fueling your performances on the pitch. What, what was, what was fueling this? Um, no, I was going through some stuff with with I think my my second wife at that stage, and I just uh, so it was hard to keep everything under control. You know, when I won that award, I knew that I had to go away then to play a World Cup, mm. and I'm thinking to myself, well, how can I go away to play a World Cup? Because at that stage, my left my left shoulder had given out totally given out so and I, and I thought well I played one game it had happened the night of the Manchester night the, the, uh, the 94, the league, 94 cup league cup final and I'd knock at that Jim's thing at about 3 o'clock in the night and I just said Jim my whole shoulder is killing me and I, and, and, and I don't know what to do and all this sort of stuff but then, then I played the, in the World Cup and this thing was hanging by my side so it was ridiculous to, to, to even let me play so, so later on in the competition, there was just nothing I could do about it. Mm. There was people running at me that I, I was never gonna, I was never gonna stop them. So they were just running in and having shots and yeah. stuff like that. And I, I was looking, you know, less than a footballer, I think. Um, let's talk about that '94 League Cup final. It's against Man United. Five years on, you're desperate to play after what you you talked about with the with the arm. Yeah. Um, but you play it through the, p the pain. It's a great day for Villa. And then you meet Ferguson on the pitch afterwards, don't you? Yeah. Yeah. I, m I met him in the tunnel, just in the tunnel there. And uh, and he came over and he gave me the an almighty belt in the stomach. And he just said, well done, son. Well done, son. Yeah. You know, so he was, you know, he was gracious in, 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 in defeat and stuff like that. And I, I you know, he was a, decent to me um, after football and stuff. So... 
I've no qualms with him anymore. Yeah. I, I really do think he he did everything that was right for Manchester United, and and so I I can't uh, say anything bad about him. I wouldn't. Um, you won another League Cup then at Villa. Um, Ron, unfortunately, he, he was sacked and, and Brian Little came in and, and it was a sense he wanted to maybe change things, yeah. maybe bring in younger players. Was, was that a difficult one for you, even though you were obviously advancing in years? Did you feel like you had yeah. something left in you? I, I honestly did. I, I mean, it was in uh, 80, uh, or 96 that we were playing Leeds, I think it was, in the League Cup. And... Uh, I thought I'd, I, I, I'd uh, done quite well in, in certain areas, you know, and uh, mm. I think he didn't. <laughs> mm. And it was as simple as that. But he, he was uh, but he was always dead straight with me, you know. Um, and I, I think, you know, he was the first one that kind of said to me, and, and he was trying to give it to me as easy as possible, but, you know, you're not as good as you probably were three or four years ago. Mm. So and I did take that on board, and I, I kind of, but I, but then I went to Derby uh, for a while, and um, and I just loved it because they were in the bottom. I think they were in about the bottom six, and then uh, Jim Smith, who was a, a, car, a car, another friend, Ron's mm. a character, you know, loved a, a glass of whiskey and stuff mm. like that. And I went, I went there, and. Um, and I got we. I, I said like, if, if if I can keep you in this league, will you give me a bonus of a certain amount of money? And then he had me playing centre half, and then we were flying up the league. <laughs> and what a team they were, by the way. The mm. kids were brilliant. I was thinking, these kids are amazing. And and I wanted to play along, alongside these boys for about four years. But uh, so we were flying up the league, and I was thinking, this is the easiest money I've ever earned <laughs> in my life. So yeah, we 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 got out of trouble, yeah. and I was I, I love Jim Smith because I, I used to go in on Fridays, and then I'd be off until the kind of unless we had a midweek game, I'd be off until the next Friday. The nineteen ninety four World Cup, and certainly the performance in Giant Stadium against Italy, it's probably regarded by many as your pinnacle in an Irish shirt, but. The road to get there is is a bumpy one, uh, I suppose. You know, when you think about, you I mean you talked about it in before that that Jack and Mick Byrne, um, how they managed you, how they looked after you as you were going through difficulties, how the the other players minded you. Were were, were they a difficult few years in, in the lead up to that when you were coming over to join the team for 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 get-togethers? Um. Is that where, where Jack really showed his humanity towards you? Oh, yeah. No, yeah, Jack, Jack was always good to me. But Jack understood from, from the 94, uh, from the Manchester United game, that, that I had a, a serious um, wastage thing in my, sh in my left shoulder. Mm. So, and, and he, I remember, and I, I used to think that Jack had a, a little bit of a friendship thing going with me. And I remember um, Mick... Mick Byrne came up to me and, and said, uh, Jack, Paul, I think Jack's thinking of taking uh, Dave O'Leary if you're not right, if you're not ready for... And I was in shock. I thought, you what? So there was a real chance you weren't going to yeah, go to the 94 World Cup because of the because virus in the shoulder? Yeah, because yeah. of this virus. And, and uh, Mick was doing all sorts of weights with me, but I couldn't, I couldn't even lift a, a normal weight, you know. 
I hadn't got the, the power in that arm. But, um, and then I was delighted when Jack, when I was in the squad and we, I, I was going, you know, because mm -hmm. then I had more time to work on my, on my arm doing weights and stuff like that. But I, I really thought he was going to bring Dave. I don't know what he said, like a, just as a threat or something like that. But I was yeah. thinking, Jack, it's, it's me. Like, you know, you're going you're gonna to throw me under a bus. But, uh, and I wanted to do brilliant for him as well because he had been so good to me. He had been um, really, really good to me over the years. And I wanted to be part of it. I, I, I didn't want, uh, you know, I didn't want 1990 just to be the one that I was involved in. I wanted this, yeah. you know, for me and him, to be honest. Um, the, the, the day itself, the night itself in, uh, in, in New York, in Giant Stadium, it's, it's again, it's one of those famous moments. You step onto the field and you see the fans around you. Is, what, is that what you remember? Um, the colour of the occasion? Do you, do, you, do you have memories of just what it felt like on that night? Yeah, I remember walking out and we hadn't seen the crowds because we, mm -hmm. we didn't want to get too hot and all that sort of stuff. And then we, we walk out and suddenly the, uh, you see the crowd and I'd say 80% of it is all in green, Irish green, you know, and f Irish flags everywhere. And there's odd bits of blue in odd places. So we're, we're going, oh my God, the Irish have shown up in droves so we're oh and then uh, but then I, I'm, I'm suddenly looking around and I'm going to one or two of the other players oh, Jesus we can't feckin lose the game tonight now we just can't lose this we can't lose this game and the other lads are saying that as well so mm. you know you, you just couldn't have there was something oh, in there the was, air yeah you, with that many Irish people in the stadium you couldn't have lost that game where did that performance come from from you it, it, People say that, you know, they talk about golfers being in the zone or, you know, tennis players where it, 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 was, it looked like that from your point of view, that you, you just knew where the ball was going to be. You had a kind of telepathic understanding. Like, how did it feel playing that game and it's I, being in your shoes? Yeah, I have to say there, there, was, there was once or twice that I, I felt really comfortable because, and I totally relaxed, but things did work out for us. But I was amazed by the, the, the kids that were playing that day. And Jason came on. I know Terry Phelan, Dennis. And every one of them were putting in tackles that I couldn't believe. You know, they were mm. putting in, in last-ditch tackles. And I was just thinking, Jesus, these kids are going to get us to where we want to go tonight. And it was just brilliant. And I loved it. John Sheridan, you know. So we played as a team that night, and every one of us gave 110%. Ray's goal was a little <laughs> bit lucky, but... I, I think you're being modest, though. I, you know, I, because it, it was a... You were a colossus that night. Honestly, it just... It was one of those nights when, when every one of us, I swear to Christ, was just saying, no, you're not, not tonight. Yeah. You, won't, you can't beat us tonight. And, and honestly, I think that was from what the first thing we saw when we went out there was that Irish flags everywhere and we, w we just weren't going to get beaten. And, and uh, the, only, the only time um, I, I loved the ending in the game because I remember they, they took a quick corner and I knew that I, I was the only person on that pitch 
that could take two steps, jump in the air, and no one else could have done that and headed that last ball. Mm. And I headed it right over the bar. And I, and I knew no one else could have done that because I was only the, I was totally in the right place to do it. And that's the only time that I kind of relaxed and just went, oh, no one can get only me. So the two steps were made and I just launched myself in the air and I just belted it over the bar and I thought, oh, now I feel comfortable. And then the ref blew up and it was, it was brilliant. That night must be an amazing memory to have. It is against them because th th to me, they're, they're brilliant, brilliant footballers. They're all brilliant. Donna Doney, geez, mm. now, I got, now I can talk to my grandkids about Donny Doney. <laughs> what a great player he was. But we beat them that mm. night. We beat them. You know, Baggio, great player. We beat them, though. <laughs> After that, um, th things kind of went, went a bit downhill, I suppose. We got to the second round, and but unfortunately went out. Do you think that was the the beginning of the end under Jack? Um, you know, in terms of going out of '94 and then maybe the, the campaign that followed. Yeah, yeah. I I, I think uh, in the manner we went out as well. I think there were just breaks again. Mm. You know, breaks on us, and and uh, but uh, yeah, I, I'd love to be able to say that I, I could hold my hands up and say. I, I should have said to Jack, Jack, you know, even in, in playing, um, you know, the, 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 the two games that I played or wherever it was, that, that or three, sorry, three games that I played, that I, I should not have been playing because of my shoulder. Yeah. I'm delighted I did play the first game in particular because it did all go kind of right for me. But, um, but Jack, Jack's very loyal like that, you know what I mean? So he, he won't, if you tell him you're fit and you're well, I think he'll, he'll, he'll throw you in anyway. And I didn't want to be um, cut out of anything really, to be honest. But I think that there was younger players there and there was better players probably that just could have just maybe got us to the next. And it was a lucky, a lucky goal that Packy kind mm. of came um. Afterwards, do you think, did, did Jack stay on too long or was he too loyal to players? I th um, yeah, in in the the year or two that followed. Yeah, I think he was very very loyal to the the players who who he fa he thought had had done so much. I think for him, you know, and he didn't want to start picking players out mm. and saying, "Well, you're going to have to go," or you know, three player three players that started with me are going to have to go, and then maybe another two the next get cut out with the next squad. And I don't think he wanted to do it that way. So I, I think that's why um, he just wanted us all to stay together and he wanted us all to go together, if you know what I mean. Not, not, yeah. not go together, but he wanted to be gone um, kind of before he had to chop the team up. And, yeah. and I think we all wanted it to last forever, though. But the, the night in <clears throat> at Anfield and yeah. the defeat to the Dutch and it, yeah. it's over for him, was that a sad, sad time? Yeah, I think it was. I think it was a very sad time for him. But I think it, he 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 was. Um, I think he was ready for it, though. Mm. I th you know, I honestly do. I think he, he'd 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 run the course of the ten years, and I think that's what I think that's what he he he, he realized was was going to have to be done next. Meaning, I was I'm going to have to disband this team yeah. and, and try and put another team together. I'm, 
I'm not willing to do that. And I think that's that's a lovely a lovely way to go. Um, in in the the film, the Jack Charlton film, towards the end of his life, he is suffering from dementia, and he's shown some footage of that old time, and he doesn't remember a lot. Yeah. But you come walking out at one point, and he says he turns to his wife and says, "Paul McGrath." Paul McGrath. So. Yeah. Was there a special connection, you think? Oh, yeah. Yeah, because I wouldn't have played half the games. Mm. If, if there wasn't, um, I would not have been able to play half the games. And 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 I loved playing the games from... I genuinely did. I, I loved running harder than I've ever run, probably on a football pitch, for, for that man in particular. Uh, because I really did... I loved him. I loved the chances he gave me. I loved the chats he'd have with me. I loved... The fact that he he knew, I think he knew a little bit about my backstory. That he he gave me a little bit of um, rope that he probably wouldn't have given to too many of the the other players. Mm. And and I think he knew uh, on any given day I'd give him one hundred and ten percent if I was one hundred and ten percent myself. So you certainly did. He was he was he was yeah. I think he he so he was he was a very kind man to me. Mm. The end for you comes um, under Mick then. Mick McCarthy takes over. Um, that Again, a bit like the Villa thing, was that a hard one where one of your old teammates had to come in and he felt he had to make changes? Um, did you have any resentment towards Mick? Not one no. bit. Not one bit, no. Because I, I've, I, I found it... Now, it happened in a funny way, so I, I, uh, I didn't mind half as, half as much because I'd been... I had not been selected for one one of the uh, Irish matches, and then when I uh, I was brought back in then for uh, I don't know what it was Macedonia or something, and uh, um, what's his name now Farley Gareth Farley was a, an Aston Villa kid who was working at Aston Villa with me, and we were flying over together, and Gar- Mick, had invi- Mick had brought one one player too many. And Gareth kept in my ear on the plane all the way over saying, Paul, I'm going to get sent back. I'm going to get sent back. This, you know, mm. why, why did he even bring me over? I'm going to get sent back. And I kept saying, Gareth, please stop in the air. Just you do your best. You're a good footballer. You can, you know, take it down in the midfield. He was a midfielder. Take it down in the midfield and show him you, you're a bloody good player. And so we were all sitting on the back of the bus one day and we are all getting off and make us up the front of the bus. <laughs> And all the players are lining out to, to walk. We'd all played the five-a-sides and stuff like that. And I'd put in quite I, what I thought was a brilliant display. No, not mm. a brilliant display, but good display. And um, I always got off last because I was on the right at the end of the bus. And I, as I'm stepping off, Mick holds the rail of the bus. And he goes, uh, Paul, can I have a quick word with you? And I, I went, yeah, no problem at all, Mick, no problem. He says, Paul, uh, we, we, we won't be needing you. And I, and I actually started giggling because I was thinking of Gareth. I was thinking Gar- Gareth's at me like this for the mm. half the week, and Mick said, uh, "Paul, we, 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 you know, you can head off back to, um, you know, wherever it was I, I was going." And I said, "No problem at all, Mick." Now I was gig- like I say, I was giggling a lot, but I, but then I was thinking, of all the things to do, I thought. Bring me over as the as the oldest player, and uh, and and then just to just to do it, 
kind of in front of the lads to mean that I'm the one that then has to be walking out of the hotel that day, saying goodbye to some of the lads and stuff like that. And but but I took it all in my stride and I just said, fair enough, Mick, no problem at all, and I just left that way. But I, and I I and I love Mick to this day. I still think he's one of the 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 the, the reasons that um, we we got so far in certain competitions because he is he, he's he's a, he's a cracking lad, you know. Mm. But um, and I told Gareth, and Gareth was in stitches, of course, like thinking, you know, well, at least it wasn't me. It yeah. was. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. If you're struggling to lose weight, you've probably heard about weight loss medications like Wigovi or ZepBound, and you might be wondering if they're right for you. Meet Plush Care a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. If you qualify, they can safely prescribe you medication from the comfort of your own home. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Um, your, your testimonial then in 1998, 40,000 nearly turn up added your boys are there as well yeah. um must have been mixed emotions though end of a real incredible journey and maybe thinking about life after football as well and yet such an outpouring of of gratitude and oh, and love I, I i couldn't believe it like how many people were there and and Dorky united had helped in that in the range and you know uh, all, all the all the things that went on and surrounded that. So I was just, I was amazed by the, the people's reaction. And, and, and you know, I, I, I thought I'd, I've had a reasonable career and stuff like that. Mm. So, and I've enjoyed it as well. And I always enjoy looking at football, even to this day. Like, I love watching good players play football. And for everyone to turn up that day was just amazing. And um, I'll, I'll forever be indebted to Irish people. If if one of your grandkids or if somebody who'd never seen you came and asked you, what sort of player were you? What did you, what did you like about football? What did you enjoy about it? How would you d- explain yourself I, as a player? What was it about it? I I love ta- I do love tackling, yeah. but I, I like doing it fairly. I I, I don't I, I've never gone out, and I've never I, I don't think I've ever been sent off in in the in the in English context in an English game. But I love tackling. I love tackling. Physical contest. Hard, yeah. Yeah. I'm. I'm not. An, you know, if I, if I see a ball, I'll go for the ball. I'll take the ball. I'll, and if it's the man's afterwards, it'll, the man will get taken as well. But I, I'm. I'm. I'm fair. I've been tackled a couple of times when people. I know people have tried to hurt me, and it doesn't. It doesn't worry me. But I. I know. I tell them. You know, mm. if, if you want to play it that way, I can play it that way, and I will play it that way if you want me to. But I've never went out to hurt anyone on a football pitch um, because I'd, I'd, I'd rather be a sportsman mm. than one of these lads who goes out to, to ruin someone's career or something. Mm. It's not, not in my nature. Um, did you struggle with life after football in terms of 
not being a footballer anymore is something that many players have talked about, that moment where you're no longer oh. going into the dressing room. Yeah, and that's the biggest, um, that's the hardest part, I think, for every footballer, that, that daily routine of, of hiding some... I know it sounds it's very uh, immature and all this sort of thing, but just, you know, playing pranks on each other or... In, in my case, it was just going into a bunch of comedians because we had, at Aston Villa, there was so many lads that were just so funny. And you, you miss, you do miss that. And you miss, uh, you miss the camaraderie of just, uh, if you're going on a trip somewhere together, we, we, you know, we would fly all around the world together sometimes. And you miss all that. And then when you do see them at a golfing tournament now or something, it's, mm. it's, it's just great to see them, you know, it's, it's, uh, you know, but I'm happy. And again, I'm one of those people who's kind of happy in his own company as well. So I don't, I'm not a great mixer, but I am with people that I've known and, and, and like, and, um, and I've loved, you know, like mm. the, the, the lads, you, you do, you, you sort of just bond with them. And, and so it's, it's, a, yeah. you know, it's a lovely, it's a lovely way of getting to know people and having a laugh. Um, you did the book with Vincent Hogan um, a, few, a few years after you finished, and it's regarded as one of the greatest sporting books mm. ever written. Your honesty is so powerful. You know, you, you laid it all out there, what you'd been through. Why did you decide to do it at that time? Um, yeah, I was. I'd, I'd been asked a right few times to do it, you know, and I'd done one, one with Cal, uh, Cal Dervin, and... Um, and I just, I honestly did just think that Vincent Hogan was, uh, had, had said to me once or twice, Paul, I'd love to do a second book and stuff like that. And I, I was going, geez, I don't, I don't want everything put on, on uh, put out there again. But then Vincent said a few more, four more times to me. And, and I, to be honest, I really did like Vin, um, Vincent. So I said, ah, yeah, well, I'll, we'll, we'll do it and we'll see how it goes and stuff like that. So, yeah, and the more we were doing it, the more I started trusting Vincent. And uh, and I thought he did it in a great way as well, you know, by by getting other people's opinions and stuff like that and writing the whole book around, you know, friends were saying things about, you know, and it kind of worried me in, in some respects because I was going to be reading what friends taught me and... And how they they they, they talk, but it was it was kind of caring in the end because they were just saying he needs, he, I think he needs a bit of help and he might need uh, looking after, and um, someone might need to be looking after what it, what he's going to do afterwards when he's finished football because he's not very uh, you know on that on that the clever side of things when when I'm getting businesses or something together, or what am I going to do? But it. Uh, and things are still working out okay for me, so I, I think I'm either. It, it did help you to, to to put it all down, did it? Oh yeah. yeah, yeah. Oh, it did very much so, very much so. And 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 like I say, Vincent did it in a very caring way, by by getting people who actually did give a, a hoot about me, mm. and just making making me maybe see that you know, geez, you can't go on the way you're going on, because mm. you're just going to make a. A fool of yourself, really, to be honest. And did you ever think of how it would have benefited others to read about what you who who were going through the same things? To yeah, benefit your experiences and 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 help them over time. 
Yeah, well, that's why I never, I never ask for things to be cut out or anything like that. I, I, I tell my sons not to read, not to read certain things, and my daughter not to read, because because there's some of is a bit of a mess and stuff like that. But other other than that, uh, other people, yeah, I know there's other people, and I, I, I think I, t- I tell about like I wet the bed till I was seventeen or something like that. And you got your sheets hung out the windows and all this sort of stuff just to embarrass you and all that bullshit. But, uh, you know, and all the things that I, I think were horrific at the time and scary at the time because you didn't want the whole school known, which they would have done when you walk in, that you'd, you'd pissed your bed the, other, the, the night before or something like that. And that's horrific for kids. Mm. So it was wrong what they were doing, but, you know, but then, look, I may I'm, I was I turned into a footballer, so that was okay. Mm. It's okay now, anyway. Yeah, and I'm still I'm not wet in my bed now, so that's good. So here you are, in your sixties and looking brilliant, and I think of the noise of the crowds, the thousands in the in the terraces and the stands and on the streets of Dublin welcoming you home, and the ups and and downs, as you've mentioned, yeah. of your life. Um, how does the quiet life suit you now? Perfectly, mm. <laughs> I love it. I honestly do. I, I, you know, but I also love and and this well, I I, I like I'd like people to know that I I love chatting football. I love mixing with people. People think because I say I'm a, I'm a little bit shy and stuff mm. like that. I I do talk and I do love chatting about certain things, but I'm just not, um, o- overly. I'm, I you know I don't run over to people and start wanting to join their conversations and stuff like that. But I, I love people. Wexford suits you. Wexford does suit me. It yeah. does. It does. You even go to GA matches and I do, time yeah. to time. Yeah, and I love it because, you know, I love the rugby, I love GA, I love uh, watching the hurling. I um yeah, I love I love it all. I, I I go to the Wexford youth games as well. So you know, because I, I I'll always love sport anyway. Mm. Any sort of sport, so and you mind yourself? I do, yeah. yeah. I, I, I have to, yeah, because sometimes there's one or two, yeah, there's one or two people are always going to want a, li- a little bit of banter and a little bit of fun with you and stuff like that. I'm getting too old for it to be messing about with mm. with people that I don't want to mess about with, really, to be mm. honest, you know. But I, I mind myself, yeah. Um, you lost your mother last year, which, you know, a few months, uh, I think, after Jack as well. Um, and... What did it mean to you to have a strong, such a strong relationship with her towards uh, the end? Um, yeah, it was it was tough because um, we weren't allowed. It was it was at that moment where you weren't allowed yeah. drive up, you weren't allowed to do this, you weren't allowed to do that. But I, um, yeah, I drove up anyway. Um, you know, when she was in hospital and stuff like that, and it was horrific, really, to be honest, to 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 see what she was going through and how she was going through it. And, I, um, yeah, profound effect on me, I think, because I didn't, you know, I don't, I don't ever want to see um, uh, anyone else, in, in either in my family or anyone else's family, to have to die that way, mm-hmm. because that was just horrific. I, I don't know how you can let people... Um, drift off like that, you know, because it it was horrific to have your to watch your mother um, dying in that way. I, I, you know, it's barbaric, barbaric, mm. and I, I I'm not, 
I just did. I wasn't comfortable at all. I'm not comfortable around that anyway. I'm not com comfortable around people. Um, you know, it wasn't it w just, you know. It was tough. Yeah, it was tough, very yeah. tough. So, but, uh, and I, I, I just, I, I don't know. But I'm, then I'm not a doctor and I'm not, you know, I have nothing to do with that side of things. But I just, they, they, I shouldn't have been invited up there to, to have to watch that. That's something else. Um, she was. She must be very proud of you when when you were and doing I, things on the field. Was she? Did she watch your matches? Yeah, she was actually really good with football. She, yeah. she could tell. Like, she was brilliant at, at at being able to say whether a goal was a goal, whether someone was offside. She'd get it before me, and she'd say he was definitely offside. It touched his foot when it ran through. So was there, and she'd have she'd be right, and she went to the. Um, uh, my stepfather, she married a, a lad, Noel Loud, who was actually played for Shamrock Rovers, and he had taken her to the uh, 1966 uh, World Cup final. Wow. The final. So she'd watched this final, and um, uh, incredibly then, like, uh, you know, her kid then years later, because my mum used to kick ball with me when I was really young, now, I wasn't with my mum a lot because obviously I went into the, the orphanage and stuff like that. But she, yes, football, she had a great connection to football. She was an Arsenal supporter. I don't know how that happened because <laughs> I was a Chelsea supporter. And then obviously Aston Villa. But she had a hard towards the end and that's, uh, but, mm. you know, but a lot of people have had it hard since this thing started. Yeah. When you think of um, all that's been talked about in, in recent years about what, what girls like her went through and were, by, were forced to go through by the attitudes of the time, the, the cruelty that was around really yeah. at the time, and you hear so many stories coming out um, in the last few years about you know mother and child homes, uh, etc. Does it help to think that people are now kind of recognising the, the cruelties and the things that were done in this country oh, at that yeah. time? Yeah, that she endured, and yeah, well, she she um, yeah, she wouldn't have, have uh, endured it too much because she, uh, when I was I was uh, given up for adoption as soon as she arrived in Dunleary. Mm. Do you know what I mean? So I went straight to uh, foster parents at first, and then I went back to my mum's for about a, a month and a half, a month, I think it was. And then I went straight into the bird's nest, which was, was the orphanage that I stayed in for, um, well, till I was, I was, I think I was 12. And then I was, uh, when I got out of there, then the second one, it was eight, eight, um, 18. I was 18 when I left mm -hmm. that. So that, yeah. So, and, and um, yeah, but my, my, uh, my mum always came down to see me and stuff like that. So that was great. Yeah. There's a lovely bit in, in your book when your mother talks about guardian angels, you know, and, and she's talking about Okune, who was a, a, your sister. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and it's a really lovely thing. She she passed away at a, a young age. That's right, yeah. But when you think about the people we've talked about, whether it's Jack or, or Jim Walker or Graham Taylor, even Mick Byrne, obviously, yeah. and people like that, do you feel like, in some ways, that there have been always somebody... Oh. Most definitely, because keeping an eye, yeah, which without a doubt, I've been lost in countries. I, I I've been I've been in in countries, and I literally ju I've just jumped in a, a, a cab and gone for a drink somewhere, mm. and and no one knows where I am, and I'm always I always get found like so, somehow, but um, 
but yeah, there's there's always been people that have looked out for me anyway, you know, and I and I and I, and it, and I don't mean to cause people offence or, or or think that they'll they'll always be there, they'll always come and get you, Paul. Don't worry about it. You're sitting enjoying it, the music and. The, but but people have been very very good to me, and I think um, you know, and Jimmy Walker and and Mick Byrne and Ch um, Charlie O'Leary. The, the people that you wouldn't, they, they've always looked out for, for, for the lads, I think, you know, the lads who are, who are maybe not so confident and not so, um, yeah, but I was a little bit of a rogue as well, though. Mm. I like, and I kind of like being a bit of a rogue, <laughs> you know. People used to call you the, the, a gentle giant on the field. And in the midst of all that, though, you must have been a phenomenally had a phenomenal determination as well looking back on it all to do what you did to get through what you did to play through the pain of, of injuries and even to prove people wrong <clears throat> or to to come through w was that a part of it were you somebody who also had that part of you that was incredibly determined uh, oh yeah yeah I, I, I must say that yeah I, I loved I actually did like proving people wrong you know you do hold things like that but you had I, an inner fire at times yeah you do because you don't you don't like to be told you're not good enough for a certain team and you're you're, you're ruining things for everyone else by staying in football even that that inner determination took you a long way Paul um if you could say something to the kid with with the football at, at Pierce Rovers or kicking around with his mates, Ooh. with everything that you've done and everything you've 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 known in, in the time since, what would you say to that kid? Um, ooh, I, I'd say thanks for learning quickly, because uh, I, because I needed to, to learn the whole game from the when I watched them play on their own that mm. that same team that Pierce Rovers team. They were actually quite a good team. When I stepped into it, I, I was upsetting everyone. I was chasing the ball. I didn't know where I was. And it was only till, till Tommy, Heffernan, Tommy Heffernan told me the positions I was supposed to be in and stuff like that. He actually just taught me. So it was from that, I, I, it, it's to him I'm, I probably owe uh, the mm -hmm. biggest grat of, uh, uh, the, the biggest debt, sorry, of gratitude. Mm -hmm. Because he was the one that told me don't be running over there when you're supposed to be here. Don't be doing that. You can't be chasing everything. You can't be, you know. And I think that, yeah. You, you did know. learn quickly. I did, well, every, I did, every step. I did because I wanted to be in the team. Yeah. And it was as simple as that. And it, same with Jack. As soon as he stuck me in midfield, I was going, I, I, I play wherever you want me. Wherever you want me to play, I'll play because I'm in, I've got a green jersey on. In 100 years' time, if they talk about Paul McGrath, the footballer, what would you like to think they'd say? Um, good tackler. <laughs> good tackler. Um, yeah, and I gave, I gave my best. I honestly did give my best. Can't ask for much more you than know, that. That's the truth. Paul, thanks for telling us your story. Tell me, it's no problem brilliant. at all. Pleasure, absolute pleasure. Nice to see you again as well.